Hi everyone, it is the last day of 2020 and I want to welcome you to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey and if you would like to catch other episodes of the Activate Podcast, you could check it out on SoundCloud or iTunes. I have been away from doing podcasts for quite a while because my computer's been having issues and I'm hopeful to be getting a new computer soon and I can be back at recording, but if there are uh, little moments where it cuts out, that's why my uh, pop-up screen keeps popping up saying the system is overloaded. So uh, I'll do the best I can, and hopefully this will be a smooth podcast, but we'll see. I do have a word that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart, and I want to share that uh, with all of you. So let's go before the Lord in prayer together, and then we're going to dive into Luke chapter 1 and 2, um, and then going over to, to John chapter 4 as well. So you can get your Bible out, get a bookmark for Luke 1 and John 4. So let's go before the Lord together in prayer and uh, seek his face together. Let's pray. God, I thank you for time in your presence. I thank you for your word that speaks life over us. I thank you for your word that speaks to the inner part of who we are. Lord, I thank you that you care so uh, diligently about each and every one of us, your your creation. We're yours, God. You created each and every one of us. And I know that, Lord, creatively, you want to speak to our hearts. And so, Lord, we're open to hear whatever you want to say, however you want us to hear it or grasp it. Lord, I pray that you would open up our, our eyes of understanding our hearts to know you more. Lord, I thank you that you don't get bogged down by us. I thank you, Lord, that you aren't like a computer that has a system overload. But Lord, I thank you that your shoulders are big enough to to carry each and every one of us, that you never tire from us. You don't get annoyed by us. We're not too much for you. God, I thank you for your diligent care of each and every one of us. I thank you, Lord, that you don't grow weary or tired. I thank you, Lord, that you are ready to hear us when we call. Lord, I thank you for your deep love for us that can't be measured. And Lord, I pray that today you would reveal yourself to us even more, that we could fall even more in love with who you are and what you've done for us. God, be with us in these next few moments, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2 is a really great account of the Christmas story. And we're going to go there together. In Luke chapter 1, uh, an angel appears to Mary and says, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the one that people have been waiting for. Your people, the Israelite people have been waiting for for generations, for hundreds of years. People have been waiting for a Messiah and you, Mary, are going to give birth to this Messiah. This is news like no other. This is truly the pivot point of all human history. This is the the biggest corner that uh, mankind will turn and Mary is at the center of it. And, And the announcement comes to her from an angel. And so right after Uh, The angel left her. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And right there at the end, it says, Then the angel left her. Our very next sentence moves to this. Mary is going to visit Elizabeth. And uh, here is how this unfolds. Verse 39, Luke 1, 39. At that time, after the angel left her, Mary got ready and hurried to a hill in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house in the middle of nowhere, well, in the hill country, which you would assume is uh, away from where Mary lives and away from the hustle and bustle. She goes to Zachariah's house. Now, Zachariah was a priest before the Lord, and Zachariah had heard also from an angel, um, but had been caused not to speak until the day that his son would be born. And so she goes into Zachariah's house. Zachariah says nothing because he can't speak. And she has this interaction with her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner for Christ, the Messiah. He's going to be the one that goes before Mary's baby, announcing that the Messiah has come, telling people to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. And so the interaction between these two pregnant women is fascinating. The the interaction uh, and the moments that they get to have together we get to look into here in Luke chapter 1. So 141 says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. So now as she speaks, she is filled with the Holy Spirit in saying this in verse 42. In a loud voice she explained, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord's, the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So Elizabeth is confirming what's going on in Mary. I'm sure that Mary is not showing right now uh, in her pregnancy. Uh, I'm sure that Mary is not nine months pregnant here. And so she's saying, blessed are you, Mary, because you're believing the promises that God gave you. And the confirmation that comes from her cousin, Elizabeth, if you've been pregnant before, you know what it's like to feel a baby moving around in your stomach. Elizabeth felt John moving in her stomach. And um, this confirmation was vocal to Mary. And this is so important for us. When we see in other people that they are walking out what God has given them to do, we should vocally call that out and praise what they're doing because we're confirming to them what God has given them to do and they're actually doing it. This brings me back to even this moment here in 2020. This moment here, uh, going back from Luke chapter 1 to right now, let's bring it back here. The whole reason that um, the Activate podcast got started was as I was going a few years ago, as I was going for my ordination, um, I had put down that the reason I wanted to be ordained is because I heard from the Lord that I was called to preach. And part of what my ordination process was, was taking some sermons and having um, some people who had gone before me in the faith, other pastors and other people evaluate my sermons. And... That was all good and fine until I went to go look for recordings of sermons. And I realized that although I had this calling on my life to preach, I wasn't actually doing it. Now I could sit around and blame. I could sit around and complain. I could sit around and um, do all kinds of things. But through prayer, through deep time with the Lord, the Lord spoke to me. I called you to do it. Now go and do it. And he put on my heart to start this podcast, to have an outlet to preach. And I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't. That wasn't an idea I had or, or had thought of. And uh, it really was given to me by God to do. 
And so as I began to record sermons, as I began to do the podcast, the Lord has opened up so many doors in so many different places to preach and to share the word of the Lord. But here's the thing. I had to do what God had asked me to do. I couldn't sit around and put it on someone else's shoulder to open a door for me or do something for me. I had to do what the Lord had asked me to do. And the confirmation came from other people, but it first came from the Lord. So now way back when with Mary and Elizabeth, the confirmation um, of Mary uh, from Elizabeth is super important. So many times we need to call out the gifts we see in other people as they're doing them. And I want to encourage you today that if God has given you something to do, put a gift inside of you, writing, art, preaching, singing, teaching, uh, whatever it is that you know that God's put inside of you, don't sit around and talk about it to death. Don't sit around and complain about how you don't get to do it. Don't sit around and uh, discuss it, discuss it, discuss it. Ask the Lord what you should do and how you should begin using your gift, even if it's in a small way. You may have a vision to do something huge for the Lord, and it may start off very, very small in a way that you wouldn't have even guessed. My uh, preaching um, training ground was for sure in children's church. It was for sure starting out years ago teaching preschoolers Bible lessons. But I, I taught them with everything that was in me. I remember teaching um, <laughs> the preschoolers. We made um, little Arks of the Covenant. Those kids had never heard, couldn't even say words like Ark of the Covenant, but we built one. We put all the things inside. I taught with everything within me, even though I knew that the Lord had given me a gift that would be used um, to preach to adults. But I did everything as unto the Lord, even in those little steps at the beginning that were so important. So I'm getting a little off track, but I really want to encourage you when you see someone else walking out their calling encourage them just like Mary or just like Elizabeth did for Mary and if you have a gift that God has given you that you're not using start using it even if it's in a little way if you're called um, Romans and and Colossians and there's so many places where it says if you're called to do something go do it If you're uh, called to be hospitable, be hospitable. If you're called to be generous, be generous. If you're called to teach, teach. If you're called to preach, preach. Whatever you're called to do, go and do it. Stop talking about it and go and do it. And uh, so Elizabeth is calling out in Mary and saying, blessed are you for believing the promises that God gave you. The belief that Mary had that she was pregnant brought her to Elizabeth's house. The belief that Mary had that she was pregnant with the Messiah um, brought her to Mary or to Elizabeth's house where where the baby uh, leaped inside Elizabeth's womb, encouraging Mary uh, that this was about to unfold. So Elizabeth encourages Mary. And then Mary responds in a song, which is is really interesting. Um, I've never talked to somebody and encouraged them and them turn around faced me and began to sing. It's never happened before. It may happen in the future, but maybe a little bit more common in Bible times. Elizabeth encourages Mary and Mary turns around and sings back to her what is famously known as Mary's song. It's verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things 
but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants from forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary here is showing and proclaiming the goodness of God, but showing uh, the depth of which she understands who God is, the depths of which she understands the Lord and his ways his uh, kindness to her people, to the Israelites, his uh, generosity to them, the way that he exalts the humble and and, uh, dislikes the proud. Mary is not just a happenstance of a person who uh, the Lord was just looking for anybody left over. He chose Mary and placed this mantle of anointing on her and filled her with the Holy Spirit, filled her with all that she needed to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, it is fascinating how the Lord uses these women. It's fascinating how in this account that uh, Joseph and Zechariah are in the background while Mary and Elizabeth are in the foreground. And Mary and Elizabeth are uh, walking out this part of history um, really well. And they're showing us that the Messiah is coming. And this verse, Luke 1, 56, is where I want to camp for just a minute. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, three months, and then returned home. Now, I am not up on every tradition in uh, the Jewish society at that time. I don't know if this was common for them to go and stay with each other for three months, but she stayed with her for three months. And I want to think for just a minute, what were those three months like? They knew both women anointed by God, both women filled with the Holy Spirit before other people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Both women very knowledgeable. Mary shows her knowledge in her song that she sings. Uh, Elizabeth is the wife of a high priest or the wife of of Zechariah who goes and sits before the Lord. Zechariah who goes into the Holy of Holies and sees uh, the Lord and speaks on behalf of the Lord. She is the wife of that man understanding the things of God. Now you have these two anointed Holy Spirit filled women, both pregnant, no Knowing that what's about to happen is going to change the course of all human history. And for three months, they're able to be together and discuss this. Here's the thing. We also have been given great things, not as great as the coming of the Messiah. Nothing will compare to the coming of Jesus into the world to take on the sins of the world. Nothing compares to that. But what we see here is this hope inside them, knowing that about what is going to happen, and they are able to sit for three months before it happens. I want to look at our lives. There are many times where we are sitting and waiting, knowing that something amazing, that God is going to move and something amazing is going to happen. But we've got this period of time where we're kind of in between. We've got this period of time where we're kind of waiting for it to happen. We know that the promises, just like Mary uh, is told by Elizabeth that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I know that you have promises in your life. I have promises in my life that have yet to be fulfilled. Promises that I know that the Lord will fulfill in me. And many of us are sitting in that waiting period, like that three months that Elizabeth and Mary were, they were pregnant, knowing that things were, you know, there is a time on this where things were going to happen. In your life too, there are things that God has promised you, but haven't happened yet. What do we do in those three months? For us, it's not three actual months. For us, it may be years. For us, it may be a whole length of time where we're waiting, knowing that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that God has given us something to do but waiting. 
So what do you do in that waiting? And I, I had already talked a little bit here in this very uh, podcast here about how to get started and to do the things that God's called you to do. But I want to look at another time of waiting. So this is Mary and Elizabeth, three months, and then Mary returns home. Uh, soon after we hear the account of the birth of John the Baptist. So um, let's jump over to John chapter 4. And this is the account of uh, Jesus visiting with a Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, if you are familiar with the story, this woman had been married several times. And the man she was living with now is not her husband. Jesus comes to a woman, a Samaritan, both uh, strikes against her uh, because Jesus is a Jewish man who should not be alone meeting with a woman, not be alone with a Samaritan woman, and not be alone with a woman who has been married. Uh, and divorced so many times but Jesus comes and reveals to her the unlikeliest of unlikely people reveals to her that he is the Messiah reveals to her the things that she's done in her life she goes back as an evangelist to her town and says to them come and see come and behold come and see the one who told me all about my life the Messiah is truly here and the people come back and we're gonna go John 4 39 Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. Let's, let's stop right there. Jesus stayed with the Samaritan people for two days. Jesus was there for the, the Jewish people, the Israelite people. He was uh, there for them, and yet he stayed with a group of t- Samaritans for two days days. Verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I can only begin to (laughs) speculate what those two days were like as Jesus in flesh and blood is talking to Samaritans, telling them the good news of the gospel, that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but for them, that he in himself is the embodiment of the gospel, that he is going to die for their sins as well as for the sins of the chosen people, the Jewish people. He's telling them this before it happens. He's telling them that he is the one that they've been waiting for, that he is the Messiah, God come to earth. He's Emmanuel. They could shake his hand. They could sit next to him. They could hear him speak. And I'm sure that the the things that he spoke to them just filled them with hope, filled them with awe and wonder that the Messiah had not only come, but had come directly to them and directly to them to spend time, days in, in, in their town. This is fascinating. Fascinating the time that Jesus was spending with Samaritans and the change, I'm sure, in the entire village and the entire town uh, of that part of Samaria that they had been visited by the Messiah. So we look at these big moments, the birth of Jesus. We look at these big moments, Jesus visiting the people, the unlikely people. Now, what happens after it's all over? What happens when Jesus leaves the town of Samaria? What happens as they get back to their mundane lives, as their regular lives? What happens uh, on Monday morning when they have just met the Messiah? And now they have to go to work and wash clothes and bake bread and do whatever Samaritans were doing in that time. What happens after you encounter God 
and you go back to the mundane of life. What happened to Elizabeth after giving birth to John the Baptist? After John the Baptist goes and does all that that he was proclaiming the good news that the Messiah was here, what is Elizabeth to do with her every day? What is it that we are to do after encountering God? What is it we're to do after God comes and visits us and and imparts wisdom to us? What about the in-between? What about the moments? What about the time after this? And right now, in, in uh, while I'm recording this, we're in one of those moments. We're in between Christmas and New Year's. It's that strange week where we're in between big moments. We're in between big events. We're in between everything. It's We're in between the 2020 and 2021. We're kind of in this, this zone of, okay, what do we do here? What do we do now? And I really believe that the Lord um, is does not have... Uh, moments that don't have purpose. I believe that the mundane has purpose. I believe that the the day after big events have just as much purpose as the big events for us as people, because I believe that the Lord works through our every day. I was outside the church just shoveling the walk. Um, There's just this big little patch that I was shoveling in it, but it was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it's the mundane. But it's in those little moments that the Lord speaks to us. It's in those little moments that God can work on our character, speak something to us, uh, work on us. Like I was saying about teaching the little preschoolers, it was in those moments where I learned to listen to the Lord's voice and obey him because I didn't know how to teach toddlers. It's in those little moments where I'm doing laundry or walking or doing things that aren't the big moments that the Lord says, I'm still here in this. Today I was reading a devotional book. It's called New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp, and I recommend it. It's a great daily devotional, um, but he says some some profound things about the mundane, and I'm going to read this. This is on uh, December 31st page of New Morning Mer- Mercies by Paul David Tripp, and if you hadn't haven't gotten a new devotional yet for this year, I would suggest this one for sure. Uh, He says this, (laughs) the fact of the matter is that the transforming work of grace is more of a mundane process than a series of a few dramatic events. Personal heart and life change is always a process. And where does that process take place? It takes place where you and I live every day. And where do we live? Well, we all have the same address. Our lives don't lurch from big moment to big moment. No, we all live in the utterly mundane. He goes on, I'm going to read one more paragraph. It says, most of us won't be written up in history books. Most of us will make only three or four momentous decisions in our lives. And several decades after we die, the people we leave behind will struggle to remember the things that we did. You and I live in little moments. And if God doesn't rule our little moments and doesn't work to recreate us in the middle of them, then there's no hope for us. These little moments are profoundly important precisely because they are the little moments that we live in and form us. That's where I think big drama Christianity gets us into trouble. It can cause us to devalue the significance of the little moments of life and the small change grace that meets us there. And because we devalue the little moments in which we live, we tend not to notice the sin that gets exposed there. We fail to seek the grace that is offered to us. You see, the character of life is not set in two or three dramatic moments, but in 10,000 little moments. The character that is formed in those little moments shapes how we respond to the big moments in life. And what makes this character change possible? Relentless, transforming little 
moment grace. Isn't that, it's profound. I, I, I think we could chew on that for quite some time. Um, but I, I look to these two big stories of the Samaritan woman's big life change moment where she meets the Messiah at the well. She went back to her everyday life after that. History tells us that that same woman went on to be a missionary to Northern Africa, bringing many to the knowledge of who Jesus was, and she died a martyr's death. But she lived little moments. You and I live little moments. We live in the mundane. Mary still had to wash clothes and bake bread and bring up children. We don't live in the big flashy moments on a stage. We live in the everyday. How are you taking care of your little moments? How are you taking care of what seemingly is the little assignments given to you? Those are the areas where we can grow. Those are the areas that the Lord is still watching us in the same intensity that he's watching us in the big moments. He's watching us in the little moments and not watching in a punitive way to saying, what are you doing? And aren't you doing your checklist? Well, no, he's watching us to say, hey, I want your character formed here. Your character is not formed in the big moments. Your character is formed in the little everyday moments. And what's most important is your character. What's most important is, is the actual transformation that's going on in our hearts. We can't be just good on the outside and act good. We have to truly be good. And to truly be good, we need to spend time in our everyday moments listening to God when he says, do a better job at that. And it's in little things. I was even uh, yesterday wanting to get some things in the mail. And the Lord said, wait, have someone proofread this one more time. Like I already had people proofread it one more time. And sure enough, I waited and there were some things to fix. But it's listening to the Lord and those little things. Nobody sees what I'm doing in the office, the little things. And yet the Lord cares about those. And he says, if you'll listen to me in these little areas, then you're also going to listen to me in the big areas. You're going to be used to listening to me. And you're going to be able to listen to me when it when those big moments happen. They both matter the same. One's more not doesn't matter more than the other. But um, some decisions have bigger consequences, don't they? And so if we can get used to listening to God in the little moments of don't print that yet until you get it proofread, then we can listen to God in other moments where he says things to us that have bigger consequences. I'm sure nobody would have minded a few spelling errors or hyphens or commas in the wrong place, but people will mind when I make decisions not listening to the Lord that have bigger effects on them and on, on me and on you. And so I want to challenge you in the in-between and the mundane to listen to the Lord. I want to challenge you to realize that there are moments before the big moment happens that are just as important. Just as important as the big moment. When you see other people using their gifts, call it out in them just like Elizabeth did to Mary. If you have gifts that you aren't using, start to use them even in little ways. But in those little ways, realize that those little ways are just as important as the big ways. And the big ways are really, that will grow strangely dim as you grow grow closer and closer to Jesus. I just want to be here loving Jesus. I don't want to be here showing off. I want to be here loving Jesus. The Lord spoke really clearly to me a few weeks ago now. And he said, I don't want you to be, to produce a product. I want you to be a product of being in my presence. And I say that again. I don't want you, he said to me, Jill, I don't want you to produce a product. I want you to be a product of spending time with me. And man, there's such a difference there. And people can spot 
the inauthentic a mile away. Christians and non-Christians alike can spot the inauthentic. The authentic comes from spending time with God. The inauthentic is what we can produce ourselves. In John 15, it says, um, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then it goes on later on in that chapter to talk about how uh, you can produce fake fruit. And I don't want to produce something that looks good, but really it's not. I want to be a product of spending time in the presence of God. And I think you do too. I think you want to be a product of spending time with Jesus and to in the mundane everyday moments, listen to what God's telling you to do and to actually do those little things, not just the the things that we feel like are big, but the little things. So I want to encourage you today. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the heart of Jesus in everything little, seemingly little and seemingly big, because they're all the same. They're all important, all important moments. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word revealed to us. Lord, I pray that whatever it is that you wanted to speak, God, that we heard it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be transformed by your grace, not transformed by trying harder. God, I pray that we would listen when you speak, that we would be quick to listen and obey, quick to do what you've asked us to do. God, help us to not compete with other people, but to encourage them. Lord, we thank you for the example of Elizabeth encouraging Mary. Help us to encourage others. Help us not to compare and contrast or think we want to be up a step or higher than someone else, but Lord, help us to just call out and say, wow, look what the Lord is doing in you. And help us also, God, to step into whatever it is you've called us to do, even if it seems to not be grandiose and huge. God, even if it is something small that nobody will see, I pray that we would work as unto you. God, I pray that we would listen to your voice, listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that just like uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit, that you fill us daily with your spirit, God. And I pray that we would listen to every prompting uh, that you give us. Lord, I thank you for 2020. I thank you for all that you taught us, all the ways that you stretched us and grew us. Lord, I thank you that we weren't stagnant. I thank you that you challenged us. And Lord, I pray for this coming year that we will listen to your voice and be quick to obey. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Happy New Year. I pray the the best for you and yours and that you'll uh, be able to celebrate Jesus tonight as the clock switches over to a brand new year. God bless you guys.